Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. In his 40s and he's dating again. And, wow. You're already feeling bad. We haven't even heard the story yet. Yeah. And, uh, Alongside my uh, thankfulness at every just sad twist in his story that I'm not in that mode of life, alongside that is uh, he's fallen into this really bad pattern. And this really bad pattern that he's fallen into is uh, he really wants to find someone. Okay, good. But they go on uh, like a date and he's like... uh, crying and like telling his like deepest darkest feelings like before the entree gets there (laughs) and then he always tells me that he feels like it went really well (laughs) and then like three days later she's ghosted him which is what the kids call it and it's like uh it made me think of this scene from this movie that I loved uh, when I was a kid called Tommy Boy and then I went and found the scene it probably wasn't church but it's like he, he just smothers the thing and crushes it till it's unrecognizable like in the first five minutes. And anyone who's like hearing it or watching it from the outside is like, well, of course. But what's what's what? It's the right thing, just too much, too fast, too soon, right? And uh, I feel like I've kind of learned myself that it's good to start the year a little bit slowly. Because if we start the year with like, new lists and new journals and 50,000 promises and 1,800 things that we're going to do, it all just kind of like collapses down and then it it feels really bad. And so I've just learned that like letting ourselves, it's kind of why the music was a little more mellow today and uh, why I'm kind of glad that it has a little bit of that malaise, snow vibe in church today alongside a bunch of parents who just literally cannot wait are counting the seconds to send their kids back to school tomorrow. There's like that two different things in church. I've just learned that we do better when we start a little slower. So I want to just ease us into what God has for us uh, this year uh, from Isaiah chapter 55. I hope you have a Bible. If you do, I'd love for you to turn there. If not, you can grab one off the row. But I'm going to just the next few weeks teach you from this. Isaiah chapter 55. In, uh, on November 6th, 2005, Tom Brady, the famous quarterback, uh, appeared on 60 Minutes. This was at the, still the beginning of his career. He had won three Super Bowls, and he was still going to win three more. And it was before everybody knew that his team kind of always cheated and stuff. And it was just, but he was on 60 Minutes. And if you remember, like, 20 years ago, if you were in that era, that was like you'd spend all day watching football, and then they would put that little tick, tick, tick thing on, promoting what was going to be on that night. And this, uh, I've seen it 100 times. November 6, 2005, Tom Brady says this out loud. He says, quote, Man, I'm making more money than I thought I could ever make playing football. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings 
and still can't shake the feeling that there's something greater out there for me. And he spent like almost 20 years after that chasing after this thing that he was trying to grab onto. That's, I think, what's in Isaiah 55 when it says this. I'm just going to read you the first two verses. It says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which is not satisfied? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. I want to talk to you today about unsatisfied longing. It's something that we all have. My friend who's desperate to get into a relationship again has it. People, even successful athletes, famous people like Tom Brady, have it. You get to the end of the Christmas season, and if you had all these hopes pinned on what the family time was going to be like, or what you were hoping was going to come out of it, or what you were thinking might materialize, no matter how good it was, no matter how fantastic the pictures looked when you posted them, no matter how incredible the experience was, there's still that feeling for most people, if they're being honest, just, I, th I thought it would feel different or it would be better. Uh, human beings are created with this itch, this thirst, this desire that can never be fully and finally satisfied which is what draws our attention to Jesus. Uh, so I got a few things to help us along with this. Number one, unsatisfied longing is a normal human condition. This is what he's getting at in the first verse. He says, come, everyone who thirsts, verse one, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Okay, it's an implied rhetorical question. How many people are people who get thirsty? Now, in most generations, that was a straightforward question. This generation is like repurposed that into some sort of weird sexual thing. That's not what we're talking about here. So we're not talking about thirsty. We're just saying, how many people get thirsty? Sorry, I don't know. If you don't get it, be glad you don't get it. I, how many people get thirsty? Everybody gets thirsty. One of the worst habits that you can fall into is that habit of just waking up in the morning and pounding the coffee and if you don't add any water alongside it, you get to the middle of the day like so hungry and so needing of satiation because you're just like, I, what's the point? Everybody gets thirsty. Everybody gets thirsty. Everybody wakes up every day with, I need water. I need, it's like this whole thing now. I don't, has anyone noticed, like, maybe you didn't notice, but slowly but surely, uh, women's water bottles have turned into weapons? <laughs> Anybody got one in the room today? One of those, like, yeah, it's like, I, which is cool. I mean, I'm, if you want to take down like an attacker or whatever vibe, but, but people carry these like 140 ounce pieces of metal around with them because everybody gets thirsty. And the more people learn about their own health, they often figure out that water is an important part of it. This is everywhere in the Bible. A Solomon, who was, uh, the scripture teaches him as the richest, and most successful 
person in all the history of the nation of Israel, he said it like this when he wrote down his kind of musings on life. He says, rhetorically, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? If you're a salesman, you're starting a new year, or if you own a company, you're starting a new year, and there are, it's all numbers zero, and we start over. And there's that feeling of, I'm going to work, I'm going I'm to teach these kids this whole semester, I'm going to coach this team the whole season, I'm going to preach these sermons every Sunday all year long, and there's that feeling that riles up inside of all of us eventually, which is like, what is all this for? Like, what did I really... Uh, Jesus says it this way in John 4, 13. This is Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. He says, everyone who drinks of this water, so he was pointing at literal water, will be thirsty again. So I'm trying to build this case for you that everyone has this sense that what they're getting out of life is not everything that it could be. The thing that people are using to try to be satisfied, that's the thing that changes person to person, right? So some people are thinking it's going to be pleasure, it's going to be this new car, it's going to be this vacation house. Some people are like, it's going to be my kids and the things that they're going to accomplish. Some people, it's, they're thinking it's going to be my body is never going to age and I'm just going to keep looking better and younger every year that goes by. That's the one I'm working on. If, if, if the, uh, the thing, do you see what I'm, the thing that people use to try to keep from getting thirsty changes from person to person. But the condition is universal to all of us. So in the book of Isaiah, the writer says, hey, if you're thirsty, come to the waters. In verse 2, he kind of continues building this case of what he's trying to communicate to us when he says, why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your labor on that which does not satisfy. He says, why do you spend your money? Okay, so what's the most basic thing that you spend the resources that you have on? It's food and shelter to make sure your family's okay. So he says, why are you spending what you have but not getting what you need? Why are you giving your energy and attention but at the end of it kind of feel like I didn't get what I wanted out of it? That's the second thing I wrote down. Maybe this is helpful to you. Universal longing, unsatisfied longing, cannot be solved by consumption or accomplishment. It just can't be. This is why um, uh, a lot of people are able to keep on lying to themselves because they've never climbed the mountain they're trying to climb, and so they haven't totally figured out yet that if they got up there, they wouldn't be any happier than they are over here. And just trust me when I tell you, and meet some people in the church around, they could tell you, some of the most miserable people that you can meet are people who would look to the outside to have everything that a person could ever want. Am I telling the truth? Some of the most unhappy people are people who can put that Visa card down wherever they go, and it's no big deal. Some of the most unhappy people are the people who have the body that you want, or have the husband that you want, or have the kids that you think you want. It's not that any of those things are bad in of themselves. It's just this, unsatisfied longing. That itch can't get scratched by the money that you put in the bank or the car you put in the driveway or the stuff that you figure out how to get done. It just can't be. I, uh, 
Uh, I made this little mosaic. Here's nine people. Uh, can you figure out what all these people have in common? You may know who some of them are. You may not know who some of them are. Every one of these people is a very famous and significant person who died by suicide. And uh, Anthony Bourdain is in there, Kate Spade, Kurt Cobain, Twitch, Robin Williams, whatever, all these people, you know some of them probably. And the reason why whenever one of these stories hits the secular news culture, people can't, like, they don't know what to do with it is because the whole way that the culture of the world works is, if you get to here, you'll be happy. So buy my product, do my plan, go after the thing I'm going after. If you get here, you're going to be happy. So when someone who has gotten to there is shown to be so unhappy that they don't even want to live anymore, people don't, they don't know what, you can take the picture down, they don't know what to, they don't know what to do with it. I wonder how many people are here and you're spending the, Stuff that you have, the resources that God has given you, the time that God has given you, the talents that God has given you, you are spending yourself in search of a goal that the goal isn't going to make you happy. Now, don't mishear me. Some people hear this and that they says, it says to them, then I just won't go after a goal. I'll just kind of sit here. I'll just kind of do whatever. I'll just kind of be passive. That's not the point. Go get that straight-A report card. Go get that fantastic business. Go build that amazing family. Just know that that's only going to bring you any joy if you have Jesus Christ and who he is alongside of it. So uh, he says this then. Back to verse 1. He says, He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money. And without price. I don't know how you kind of feel usually. Usually the first week in January is the like, week of the year I'm the most committed to not being a spender this year. Anybody else get, anybody have that testimony? Like, this is the year I'm just going to not buy anything ever. So this side, uh, if I'm smart, I like put the gift cards that people give for Pastor Appreciation Month like in an envelope somewhere. I mail it to myself to show up in January. That kind of gets me through the beginning. But you can imagine how this is. What a beautiful thought. You can have what you need without it costing you everything. You can have what you need without it costing more than you can afford to pay. Uh, what I wrote down number three is unsatisfied longing is not due to God's reluctance to bless you. If you've ever been in life where you didn't totally have enough money to get all of your needs taken care of, if you've ever been there in life, it's a scary place, and it is a place that it consumes your mind, right? If you've been worried about how am I going to make it through this month, or I didn't really make it the last three months, so I mean, what's going to happen? If you have that like pit in your stomach to open the mailbox to see what may have come that day, that I don't know how we're going to get. If you've ever been there in life, you know how I can just take over your thoughts. And he says here, he says, you can have what you need. You can have what you need without money and without price. That's interesting. Uh, I'm gonna, you've probably heard this said before. You know, people say, they say money doesn't buy. And that's not, it's only sort of, that actually is only sort of true. So what's actually true is knowing that your needs are taken care of does create a significantly happier person. 
It's just that I made, I, I found this little chart. I started to say I made this chart. You would know that wasn't true. I found this chart. Uh, <laughs> so here's what this chart shows. It shows uh, all kinds of different countries in our world, and it shows the reported happiness of people in countries uh, based on how much the average GDP of the country was. It gets a little complicated. Here's the point. In places where people have their needs more taken care of, the people report themselves to be happier. So it isn't true that money doesn't buy happiness. Uh, this is why it's a part of what we're aiming for as a church, and it's by what anyone who loves God should care about, is people who don't have enough matter to God, and helping them find a path to sustaining themselves in this world is an important part of what God wants us to do. You can take the chart down. But here's the other part of that. Most people haven't figured out that more money won't buy more happiness. That's the difference, do you see? So on the one hand, if I don't have enough to get food on the table, to get rent paid, to make it through the month, if I'm like always struggling through that, that really impacts my happiness. But past a certain amount of success, I've found all kinds of things I didn't want to take up our time. Uh, all kinds of companies have figured out that giving people more money doesn't make them like their jobs more. Past a certain point, people think that it will, but it doesn't actually. Uh, so he says again in the text, why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your labor on that which is not satisfied? Right before that he says, and he who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why does he talk about wine and milk? Uh, wine in the scripture is a picture of blessing and festivity, and milk is a picture of prosperity. So you may see that, you know, and you're like, want to give your whole speech about your lactose issues. That's not the point here. It's cool. I don't know, we can blame the doctors or whatever you want about that particular situation. But in the Bible, when, he's, when you see wine, it's like the idea of blessing and festivity. And milk is the idea of prosperity. A family that can afford milk can afford more than water is kind of the idea that he's aiming for. So he says, you can have blessing and prosperity, and you can have it for free. That sounds like the greatest deal of all time to me. Prosperity and blessing for free. The greatest deal of all time is you can have your wants and you can have your needs. You can have your needs and you can have your wants. And it's for free. We all get our defenses up right there because we've all figured out a long time ago, right? There's no such thing as a free lunch, right? They're, they're, like whenever someone's trying to offer you, us, uh, both my two older kids both have phones. And uh, right away when they got a phone, both of them, they like got into this whole like little sub world of like things where kids sign up for things or click on things or do things online or tag things online. And then they promise you like someone's going to win a free Xbox. Someone's going to win all these free sneakers. And then their phone is just like infested with all kinds of junk. And then I don't, nobody ever wins any of those things. It's like all a scam, right? I think. So we're all accustomed to the idea that free is a scam or a fake. Uh, blessings to you, it isn't in this situation. This is what he says at the end of verse 2, which is where we're going to try to bring this for a landing. At the end of verse 2, he says, the writer, listen diligently to me. What does the word diligently mean? It means with attention. Pay attention to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. That's number four. Uh, unsatisfied longing can only be satiated by the presence of God. Notice that the promise uh, 
in that verse 2 there. He says, listen diligently to me, eat what is good. He says, delight yourselves in rich food. I think that choice of that word rich in the description of the food is important because uh, many people were raised with a version of faith or had this idea of faith in their mind that uh, kind of like the people who loved God were the people who had less fun and didn't get to do cool stuff. And whenever go through that patch as a teenager, it was kind of like, yeah, the people that have fun are the people that don't care about God. And the like boring people who like aren't allowed to wear the right thing or go to the right thing or do the right thing, those are the church people. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And there's this kind of idea that like, yeah, like the people who really love God, like they're just, they're happy with like Keurig and maybe on their birthday Dunkin' Donuts, but they wouldn't dare go to like a good coffee place because they're, they're Christians and they're Protestant and sensible and they don't enjoy anything good or something. Maybe you can find yourself in there. God uh, offers to us to delight ourselves in rich food. Kristen and I were out last night. It was her, Kristen's dad's 70th birthday yesterday, so we went to a nice dinner. Like, it was, like, suggested to me early in the day that I should put some decent clothing on. That level of, it was, it was good. She's a smart girl. She gave me, like, six, seven hours notice to wrap my brain around putting on a jacket that, yeah. Uh, but there's something about that experience of high-quality food, right? It's every detail. It's every element. It's the way that it's the service. The components around it all suggest this is something worth something. And so I guess what, why I'm emphasizing this is I want you to know and to see that God isn't withholding from you. He's trying to maximize in you. So that like what's happening in here is not the part where we kind of like restrict ourselves to unhappiness by trying to be good boys and girls so God will be happy. God aims for the highest joy to be found by those who obey him. Let me give you a couple examples of what I mean, and I want to show you a couple more things. Uh, I just found this study, and I'm going to save it for another day to show you like the, the cool graph, but I just found this study that uh, it was uh, in the Atlantic. It was last year, and it's a completely secular uh, news source. And they talked about how they found this surprising thing that the people who describe themselves with the most joy in their uh, sexual life were people who had the lowest number of sexual partners in their lifetime. That actually the more people experimented with their sexuality, the less people reported being happy with their experience. Now, that goes like completely and totally in the face of what the world out there wants to tell you, right? So, it's a small little thing that I saw that said to me, right, see, God's way is not just the good boy and girl way. God's way is the happiest way. God's way is the joyous way. God's way is the way that not just protects me from pain, but maximizes happiness. This is uh, true. This was also found during COVID, which was amazing, that uh, during COVID, the people who reported themselves having the lowest levels of depression were the people that still figured out a way to make it to church. This is what Jesus is saying in John 4.14. He says, but whoever, this is right after the verse I read you earlier, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up in eternal life. Uh, I've never seen this before. This 
text that we're studying in Isaiah 55 is echoed in the very last paragraph in the Bible. Revelation chapter 22 says this. The spirit and the bride say, come, and the one who hears says, come, let the thirsty, let the one who is thirsty, come on, let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. That's an echo later. Unsatisfied longing can only be satiated with the presence of God. That feeling that you have, I want this year to be different. That feeling that you have, I think there's something more. Nothing that the world offers you can give you a solution to that feeling. Only more of God in your life. And God is not reluctant. Like, uh, so the way our family works on Sundays is uh, Kristen and I are over here, then she goes home and picks up the kids. And then it's always like a kind of a moment in my week is depending on whether the kids were ready and how things went at home. I don't know how your house is, but Sunday morning is usually when all the demons show up in our household. And so we rolled in this morning and the first thing I saw from one of the kids was he started telling me why he deserved to get his phone back that he had lost from something that had happened this morning. So a good parent knows... Uh, that withholding something that a child wants to help them grow in self-control of their behavior. That's what a loving parent does, right? But sometimes I think we have this idea that um, God sort of is like withholding himself from us in a similar way. Like, I'll, I'll give you your phone back when you prove to me you're a good boy. I'll give you X and Y and Z when you show me that you've done enough. And it's what leads people into these weird patterns of... Uh, trying so hard to act in a way so that God will be happy enough. God is not reluctant to show up in a way that satiates the longings in our life. We are often unwilling to do the things that God has already told us ensure his presence and power in our lives. So that's why um, what we're going to do, we've done this before, we're going to do this again. I'm uh, asking everyone who calls this their church or who wants to grow in their life this year, we're starting a, tomorrow a 21-day season of prayer and fasting. So uh, are we saying you're not, if you're wanting God in your life, you shouldn't eat for the next 21 days? Is that what we're saying? That is not what we're saying. But what we're saying is in the Bible, uh, every time you see people saying, I got a big decision to make, what should I do? The next thing they do is they pray and they fast. Whenever people are like, things aren't going well, we need things to go better, what's the next thing that they do? They pray and they fast. There's something about the restriction of food in some way that heightens our spiritual awareness. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. We've got info on Church Center. We're going to be posting uh, videos online every single day to help you along on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. We've got those reading plans that are there that can help you get into the Bible. And I just want you to pick... Something. So for some people, uh, you may want to pick like something where you restrict certain foods or you take a couple of days through the process and fast or maybe you want to do like a, a Kristen specifically forbid me from fasting from coffee. I will tell you that. I said that I was going to do that and she said, no, you will not do that. I don't think you and I will make it out of January if you do. So maybe we'll have the faith for that next year. Uh, but it's something of food that when I restrict myself from it, oh yeah, that's great. You can take a picture of that. That's all the different ways you can do it. 
it heightens my spiritual awareness and things become clear and I see God work in my life. And I'm inviting every person here to say, I'm gonna start this year by seeking for more of God in my life. Remember what we said at the beginning about starting slow? So if you've never fasted before, don't go for like something crazy and then fall short and get discouraged. God loves our effort. God loves our desire. So those are all the ways that you can fast. My friend Jonathan is coming. He's going to give a testimony uh, a little bit about fasting. So during this thing, we're going to give uh, three opportunities to help you. Come on, Jonathan. That was your cue, buddy. Come on. When I said your name and said you're coming to the stage, that was the cue. So uh, we're going to have three special things this month to help you along with that. So this Thursday, we're going to have a digital prayer meeting that you are all invited to. We'll text that out and put the link out. It'll be on Zoom. It's going to be a time to connect. Uh, January 17th to 18th, this room will be filled for 24 straight hours with people praying. We would love for you to be part of it. There's going to be a prayer meeting every hour on the hour. And then towards the end, we're going to have a, a time of worship and prayer in this room. And all that stuff may sound to you. Like right now, I can feel it. I, some people are like, I don't know, man. I just like, they were pretty good donuts and it was kind of like near my house. So I, this is too much. This is too much. Okay. Okay. I'm not uh, trying to get you to do more things. What I'm trying to do is to show you the path to having more of God in your life, which is the only thing that's going to satisfy that longing in your soul. So participate at whatever level you can participate, and I trust that God is going to meet you uh, in that way. We're going to sing in just a second, uh, but Jonathan, come here. Jonathan's a friend of mine. Uh, who God brought to our church. Him and another couple guys pray uh, every, come on, come on, every Sunday morning uh, before the service and pray for the day. Jonathan is from Zambia and he has a lot of uh, beautiful experience in fasting. So just tell us, um, we were talking this morning in my office, it was wonderful. You thought you were giving a video testimony. So you found out like 45 minutes, an hour ago, that you, it's kind of the way I roll. So uh, just tell us about some of the different kinds of fast that you've been involved in and then a little bit about what you've seen God do. Okay. Uh, so I've been, um, involved in different types of fasting, starting with uh, dry prayer and fasting, where you don't take any solid uh, food, any food stuff or drinks. And uh, that's max for me has been maybe three or four days of dry prayer and fasting. Then I've done uh, partial fasting. That's uh, taking maybe liquid from morning, then breaking at 6, 6 p.m. and take uh, some food afterwards, and uh, that has lasted. The church that I went to, uh, we did fastings from three months to ni 90 days. 90 days, sometimes 120 days in a year. There's a scripture in the Bible that uh, Jesus is challenging his disciples that for you to see God or enter the kingdom of God, your faith must be better than that of a Pharisee. And in my research, I discovered that Pharisees fast at least two days in a week. Amen? So for a Christian, who's called a Christian, at least we can go more than two days in a week without food. Amen? That's just a standard for Christianity, like in most cases. So um, with fasting of uh, 100 days or 90 days, we did not go dry fasting. And whenever we start fasting, the beauty of it all is uh, the preparation. 
So we took time to prepare, like the type of fasting that you're going to uh, go into. And also when you prepare, the Bible says, commit your plans unto me and I'll make them successful. So when we submit our plans before God, it brings the inspiration of the Spirit to like give us the strength and the grace to carry on through the fast. Like we say, if you haven't fasted for a long time, you can't just pick up three days and go into dry prayer and fasting. It's not possible. So what I started doing was cut down on some meals during the day. Then when I've gone like maybe three, four weeks of partial fasting, then I can take on the dry fast, even for a day or two. So this is what really encouraged me when we were talking is uh, just tell us about some of the things that you've seen God do when you've taken that time and energy to try to commit yourself to God. Okay, so um, I've been serving God in different uh, platforms. And uh, one of the things, one of the benefits that I, 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 I gained from fasting was that uh, my spiritual, I, I grew up spiritual, like I drew closer to God. And there was a certain level of intimacy that I achieved uh, while doing prayer and fasting. And one of the benefits also was that uh, the one thing that brought me closer to God was I was going through some uh, challenges in my life, some oppression, some demonic oppressions. And uh, I went through different uh, men of God, different churches. I did not find any solution until I came across a scripture in the Bible uh, from the book of uh, Mark 9 that uh, uh, says that some kinds of things or demons does not come out except by prayer and fasting. Amen. So I was uh, inspired to take on the journey of prayer and fasting. And during the process, God just uh, delivered me from every oppression. And uh, here I am standing as uh, a man who is uh, uh, a product of, uh, you know, the benefits of prayer and fasting. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So we're almost at the end now. I want to just encourage you uh, to just, you can put it on the floor right here, just to take a, I loved what he said about making it clear and uh, choosing before God what you're going to do. So uh, about a year ago, I want to close with this. We, uh, everyone who was in the church then, one Sunday I preached about that verse that he just mentioned about some things can only come out with prayer and fasting. And I don't know, there's got to be a hundred of these people put prayers that they wanted to pray for a whole year and they put them in an envelope and they put them on the wall back there in that corner kind of behind the church and the idea was that we were going to leave those prayers up there and keep praying until God brought the answer. There's been some great ones that have happened. There's a couple, I don't see them here, Ryan and Nicole this morning that were praying. Her mom needed a kidney transplant and they couldn't find a donor and she came one day after she had had the surgery and she found the donor and we took the prayer off the wall and we said, God, we prayed and we saw you do a miracle and the answer and it was like, Whoo. and then for a lot of us, if you prayed one of these prayers, for a lot of us, this is what following God is like. It's 365-ish days later and we're still, still praying. We're still praying. We're still praying. And that's like not the easiest thing, right? to like open your heart up to say, God, I'm going to pray about this and I'm believing you're going to do something in it. And then a whole year goes by and it's still right here. And so we took them all off the wall this week. And if God answered the prayer that you prayed, we would love to celebrate with you. And for a lot of us, we're me, what I put in there. We're re-upping to say, God, you are a good God. 
when you answer prayer and you're a good God when you've decided not to answer yet. And I'm going to keep on praising you. And I am not going to interpret your no as withholding or anger or disappointment. You are a good God who's, uh, we get to it later in Isaiah 55, I'm going to talk about it in a couple weeks, where it says that my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And I just go back in my life and I think sometimes about all the times I'm so glad God didn't give me the answers to prayers that I was praying for. And so I'm just inviting everybody. We're going to pray and we're going to fast. And for some of us, we're going to try to go places and do things that we've never done before. Not for God's love, but from God's love that he's already given. So if, that's, if one of these is yours, I would love for you to take it. And we want to praise God for it or keep praying about it. Why don't you just bow your head right now? Lord, I don't want to spend any more of the energy that you've given me on things that don't satisfy. I don't want to spend any more of my energy or attention on things that can never give me what I want to get. I want more of you in my life. I want more of your love, more of your power, more of your peace, more of your blessing, more of your strength, more of your love. And so I'm opening my heart to you, Lord, in 2024 to say, I'm here and I'm asking and I'm open And I want to pray, Lord, you would give us wisdom and strength and insight to participate in what is in front of us in a way that builds you and what you want to build in us. I pray it in Jesus' name. If you agree, please stand to your feet as we sing and say amen. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.